Hello. And welcome to the AT and WB podcast. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and I'm Alex Wilson. And welcome to the podcast. On this episode, it'll be a giant news dump of all the news that you can utilize about Warner Brothers and HBO and Looney Tunes and what else do they own? All of that stuff. So a quick update at the top of the show, at the head of the show, update on Kevin Smith. He is not working on a DC property. He is instead working on Howard the Duck animated Marvel series for Hulu. And he's writing, creating with Dave Willis, who was a co-creator of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And I believe the voice of frylock yes i think so so any any thoughts on what kevin's up to now it really has nothing to do with us except for the fact that we were talking about hulu specifically on this podcast and we were saying that warner was going to sell its stake perhaps in hulu because it would net them just south of a billion dollars and then disney would have more control over hulu through the fox deal Disney is already going to have a majority stake of Hulu. So what it seems what so what it seems like is Disney is utilizing Hulu as their adult themed for their adult themed content. And adult themed sounds a little gross. I don't mean or sexy, however you want to put it. Uh, mean more their you know their their hardcore dramas and comedies that are not appropriate yeah. for family audiences for everybody. I think that's where the FX stuff is going to start trickling into as time goes by. But it seems like that Disney is fully embracing the Hulu brand now announcing these series. Yeah, I would think that Disney would, when they launch Disney Plus, that they'll try to keep that family friendly, maybe some PG-13 stuff with an edge on there. But I kind of imagine that now it seems like Hulu is going to be where they throw things that might have more of an adult slant to them. For sure. And that brings us right into the Warner streaming service, AT&T. CEO Randall Stevenson said that the Warner streaming service will use a two-sided model. So it'll be three-tiered and two-sided, meaning it will have ads and also be subscription-based. This will probably be different from Disney+, Plus, which should have no ads. Comcast announced their streaming service will have ads and be supported by their ownership of Sky and their NBC Universal libraries. Yes, the Warner streaming service seems closer and closer to what Hulu is doing by the minute, at least in terms of the idea of having ads and a subscription-based model. So maybe that's where the tiers will come into play, especially where if you pay a certain amount, maybe you can get rid of the ads and then you can get more movies. Yeah, just how Hulu has it. They, they have add-ons and they have commercials and no commercials they don't have a vertical and a horizontal thing like three tiers and two-sided but yeah they do have all of that currently on hulu so it'll be very interesting how this competes and hbo will have 50 uh, percent more content in 2019 than it did in 2018 because of the amount of content that netflix has been producing but don't expect it to keep rising year after year hbo definitely seems cyclical depending on how long they're creators take to develop content or whenever they find something that they can pair with another existing show. There's some really great advertising right now with True Detective for a show that kind of looks like it's based on the serial podcast. Yeah, where it's, the it's case kind of against like, Adnan Syed. Exactly, and they're advertising it at the end of True Detective episodes. And I that's, think that's a really ge- great It's idea. genius. Yeah, and so I think they'll in the future, I don't think they're going to have as much content as Netflix, but I think that they're going to really focus on 
how do we leverage existing brands to launch shows that are very similar or at least build on those same audiences. And that's what Watchmen is for sure. They're taking a DC property and finally putting it on HBO. How long have we said that they should be taking DC properties and making serious adult content with them? Again, adult content sounds sexy. Don't mean it to be sexy. (laughs) Mature, sexy adult themes. I think that's what perfect way to phrase it. (laughs) Yeah. But then again, Game of Thrones does have boob exposition and wiener exposition. (laughs) Necessary wiener plot lines. Yeah. Well, in the first season, you do see Greyjoy's joy broad. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And there's a very specific purpose for seeing that because it doesn't Mm. exist later on in the season. Spoiler alert. Uh, Sarah Aubrey has been put in charge of original content at the Warner Media Streaming Service. She was the EVP of original content and TNT while Brett White's who was the SVP of original content and TNT. He was that before moving to TBS. He's now going to be general manager of both networks overseeing shows. What I basically said was the person that was in charge of one of TNT or TBS is now put in charge of the streaming service. And one person that was in charge of TNT or TBS is now going to be in charge of both TNT and TBS. Meaning those brands are merging, I guarantee it. The TBS and TNT, you have drama and comedy separate. That's the only things that make them separate. They are the same brand realistically. One's Turner comedy, one's Turner drama. It's the same stuff. Yeah, and TBS's comedies have been skewing darker lately. And TNT's dramas, at least I think, have kind of a little bit of that dark humor in there. So I think you're right on the money. I could see if they don't merge channels, they're at least going to be developing content more in tandem and making sure TBS's shows might align more to TNT's shows and vice versa. And I'm sure there'll be a TNT TBS portal on the Warner streaming service somewhere. Oh, true. Yeah, that would make sense. Well, the TCA, the Television Critics Association, actually bared a ton of Warner News fruit. The Warner streaming service will have 42,000 hours of content from and they named the brands which i thought was really cool dc comics looney tunes turner the cw and cnn and bring together brands like bugs bunny scooby-doo the lego movie the flash rbg and the alienist with movies including the lord of the rings the hangover and casablanca now, does anything stand out there to you a little bit, just a little bit? Uh, it's interesting that, that, I mean, I guess it makes sense because they're huge hits, but that you just select Lord of the Rings, The Hangover, and Casablanca to reveal at the presser because like, those are three very different demographics. Yeah, and uh, then but, the Lego yeah. movie, The Flash, and RBG, which is an <laughs> RBG, RBG yeah. the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary. Yeah, and then the alienist, and so it's interesting. I I don't know if they're trying to just really show, okay, you know, Netflix has been building their content for a few years now, but as soon as we launch, we're going to already have way more than they have to offer. Yeah, we'll have 80 years of content between Looney Tunes and DC Comics alone, let alone RBG and the alienist. (laughs) Yeah. I'm excited to see the Looney Tunes on there because I'm sure uh, there's just going to be just tons and tons of... I hope it's uh, all of it. 
Yeah, me too. I mean, I'd be disappointed if they hold anything back, at least from their premium tier, they should have everything. Yeah. And if they do have all of it, I will be going over all of it on this podcast at some (laughs) point. I don't know how. I don't know if I'll do an episode per cartoon mini. I think that's ridiculous. Maybe focus on the characters more and their through lines through Looney Tunes. Yeah, that'd be cool. You could focus on, you could do like best of Elmer Fudd or see kind of their arcs throughout time and different creators uh, that yeah creators yeah. chuck jones you could do like a chuck jones podcast all kinds of stuff oh yeah there'll definitely be a chuck jones podcast for rizzle and kevin riley from warner was standing in front of a banner that also had the names of other warner franchises which i thought was very interesting those things included caddyshack goodfellas anthony bourdain parts unknown big bang theory two and a half men three identical strangers Four Dirty Harrys, no, Dirty Harry, <laughs> 300, Full Frontal starring Samantha B, and A Star is Born. So as you can see there, again, when he was specifically talking, he said DC Looney Tunes Turner, the CW. So Turner was in there just as its own thing, not separately TBS and TNT. Again, oh, okay. My idea of that all of those brands are merging together. But Turner also includes Scooby-Doo and all the Hanna-Barbera stuff, which he should have said Hanna-Barbera separately, I think. That's their yeah. Pixar, in my opinion. You have the Looney Tunes, which are their Disney animation studios, and then you have the Hanna-Barbera universe, which is more like their Pixar universe. That's how I see it anyway. No, I agree. And there's and there's definitely a ton of potential in Hanna-Barbera for future original content from that library. So that'd be interesting. Yeah. And they, they also, they're putting together a Scooby-Doo CG film in the, that is going to come out in a couple of years. And they're hoping to launch a whole Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe through that. So, oh, that's cool. Scooby Doo is very is one of their biggest franchises. So to be, and it's something that they keep curating content for year after year. Whether it's working together in tandem with the WWE, or it's just releasing these standalone films, or reinventing it in the comic book series that they have, stuff like that. They have a comic book series, and I think they're they're all in the same universe. It's called Hanna Barbera Universe that DC mm. Comics puts out, and it's a very serious take on the Flintstones. It's a very serious Flintstones, and then it's also a more neat modern version of all the Scooby-Doo characters. Very hipster. They're all very hipster looking. Mm. So hipster Shaggy, you know, he has the waxed mustache and all of that. Oh, uh, okay. Trying yeah. to and then, appeal to the Riverdale crowd, maybe. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Even though I think they made it just before Riverdale came out, but uh, yeah, around the same time, it, they're all they're pushing this their same agenda. I think now finally at Warner Brothers, as opposed to all these mini companies they have pushing their own agendas. That makes sense. Yeah. Again, here's another example. Just in the CW, he's also said here that they're going to curate content from the CW and put it on the Warner streaming service. Mark Pedowitz, the head of the CW, was saying that he's fine with his Netflix deal that he currently has and that he didn't really have any plans for the Warner streaming service here. It seems differently. It seems all of that DCW universe stuff is going to be on the Warner streaming app, of course. And it also seems that also get into a whole thing about UPN versus the WB network and how Les Moonves was he thought that he was screwed over because he was head of Warner Television when they were making the Warner Network. So he thought he would be in charge of it and then he wasn't. And then he went over and and then he became part of CBS, became the president of CBS, which then owned part of UPN. So he owned UPN and then he had UPN 
and the WB merge so he can then be the president or be in charge of the president and be over the president of the CW, like this new venture. It was all a revenge game on Les Moonves' part yeah, for UPN and the WB to merge. Definitely a big chess game with merging those networks together. Yeah, but now with him gone, it seems that the CBS hold on the CW will weaken. And I don't believe the CW is in CBS's future. I believe it's in Warner's future to hold on to all of that content. Because all that content is, like I said, the DCW universe. And it's it's not Star Trek, which CBS owns. You know, it's not CBS franchises. It's very specifically Warner franchises. So and see all of that content. And I can see Warner at some point being like, okay, we want to buy the rest of the CW and buy that C portion since they just own the W right now. Yeah, it does. It feels like C. CBS just licenses most of that content anyway, so they, I think, I mean, they obviously own a stake in CW, but it, it feels more like a Warner Brothers product that, that CBS is just distributing. Yeah, absolutely. And also, Kevin Riley said, I don't know who it was, somebody for the Warner Streaming Service said that the crown jewel of the platform will be Friends, and it will be exclusive at some point when the Netflix deal ends. There will be no original content on the streaming service until 2020, unlike the Disney Plus streaming service, which is going to have The Mandalorian this year, and supposedly it's The Mandalorian, a Star Wars series, which I haven't seen that yet online, but I've heard rumors that that's what the full title is. And that, I think that's going to be released probably around September. Uh, they'll drop the Mandalorian and then two months later we get episode nine which is amazing I'm so excited for more Star Wars and then there's a there's a Loki TV series right in development yeah Loki TV series in development there's supposed to be three or four Marvel series in development currently mm, over there uh, another one was Captain America's Friends team up show so it's oh, Winter Soldier and Falcon team up series so yeah no new original content to 2020 your HBO subscription will be seamlessly integrated into the platform there will be original dc content for the platform he joked about having a naming contest for the service as well riley also said he really wants the cw content on the platform as we were just talking about that makes sense it's a bold move not to have original content until 2020 but i wonder if his idea is let's see who the hardcore fans of the wb library are and then once we have that subscriber base that way whenever we start introducing original shows we'll be able to more easily see what's working who's signing on for the new stuff as opposed to who's just signing on for the library yeah and, and what are they watching are they yeah. are they watching scooby-doo and looney tunes non-stop are they uh, watching yeah. the jetsons instead like what should we make more of exactly yeah yeah, yeah and they'll have all that data so quickly i think it's very fascinating that the dc content is still being spread around everywhere so instead of dc content just existing on a dedicated dc universe app they're going to have original dc content for the warner stream service they already have dc content for the cw and then they're going to have it on hbo and they have their own cinematic universe so they have the films as well and it oh, seems yeah. like they're doing elseworlds with the films where they're doing their own standalone universes with like the joker movie for instance yeah dc the dc comics brand is everywhere which is great it's really great for dc and that brings us to dc comics James Gunn is officially a go for writing and directing Suicide Squad 2, which is supposedly a full reboot reboot with a new cast. Warner Brothers dated it for August 6, 2021, 
and now it's simply called The Suicide Squad. Which That's se- crazy. Which seems like their go-to now is when we rebrand, we're just going to have The and then The Batman, The Suicide Squad. At least it's not Batman versus Suicide Squad, um, so... They've got that going for them. I, I definitely love at least that James Gunn's doing it. I mean, that's the right move. It'll be interesting to see if the reboot with the new cast works. Yeah. I'm wondering if it will be its own universe or if it will still be that DC extended universe that they set up in Man of Steel. Yeah. I can at least see Deathstroke and Joe Manganiello. I mean, that's a great move. And if Ewan McGregor likes his part in Birds of Prey, if they kind of bring him into the fold, that I, would I be great. see them... Yeah, I can see them moving forward with something that way. And I at least, I mean, of all the characters from the existing universe, Deathstroke, Ewan McGregor, and then Jason Momoa, obviously, those are standouts. So whatever they can do to keep them in the fold. I honestly think you should have a Jason Momoa cameo in all of these movies now. Yeah. With how well that movie did. But also there were reports that Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn wasn't going to be in the Suicide Squad. And then there were conflicting reports saying, wait, that might not be true. She might be in it after all. So they might actually be using her her as the in every movie character. It seems like there's got to be some kind of link between the first Suicide Squad and then this Suicide Squad. And they have enough villains to where they could just use, you know, completely different characters. Yeah, I think they should get... I think they should get Viola Davis back. Yeah, that would make sense. She was great. Yeah. And I found that quote specifically from Mark Pedowitz, the president of the CW. He said the shows, meaning the DCW shows, perform extremely well for us in season pace, making us the premium ad VOD service around free, no need to authenticate, no need for cable or satellite service, and coupled with CWC, we've managed to go into this ad VOD space better than anyone else. He's specifically talking about all the shows from his network and how they've been fine as a standalone thing. Again, I I don't think that's going to happen long. I've been watching the CW app, and even though you don't have to authenticate and put in your cable subscription stuff, it only has commercials for CW stuff. So I don't know how much ad space they're selling on the platform. The, yeah. the app itself. I'll get commercials for the next episode of the show I'm currently watching, and I'll have to cover the screen. Like, no, these are spoilers. Why would you do this? Yeah, and and I guess I'd rather, ideally, at the end of the day, have a three-tiered, two-sided Warner Media service than to have to go to 20 different apps and 20 different places for all these things. That's what they uh, should call yeah. it. They should just call it three tiers, two sides, yeah. subscription <laughs> or something. One library. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the full name. Oh my god, did you get three-tiered, two-sided, one library? It's such yeah. a good streaming service. <laughs> no abbreviation for it, just that's the full title for it. <laughs> exactly. Danny Cannon, EP of Gotham, you know, executive producer of Gotham, has talked a bunch about the Gotham prequel series Pennyworth, which premieres on Epics in June. That's it. He talked about it, but he was basically just saying, like, yep, it's a prequel, and it'll have... Alfred in it and a young Bruce Wayne's father, so a young Thomas Wayne. That's basically it. And he right. and it's the more the new fifty two Alfred. So like he's a war veteran and I think he just comes back from war when this picks up and he gets hired by Thomas Wayne. Interesting. Yeah. And the Epics is owned by Lionsgate still or it's owned by, it's not Warner though, right? It's just, it's not Warner. It's they're, owned they're by Stars, which is owned by Lionsgate. 
Uh, that's right. And they're licensing this from Warner. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, which I don't know why Warner... Well, it was five years ago when they really sold all this stuff. But I think, uh, they're, like, I think again, they're honing it all in once all these deals end, I'm sure. I wonder if they have the streaming rights for Pennyworth and for Krypton and for Gotham. Uh, yeah, like, all, all their shows that aren't on their networks that they license out. Warner just hired Noah Gardner and Aiden Fitzgerald to write a spinoff to Aquaman entitled The Trench based off the DC character The Trench. Juan is producing. Juan said it would be much cheaper to produce than Aquaman and won't have Amber Heard or Jace Momoa. The Trench is the name of a group of anthropomorphic fish-type creatures who live in a trench. They were inhabitants of Atlantis before it went underwater, and they were created by Jeff Johns in the New 52 in 2011. And I actually read the first two or three volumes of Aquaman New 52, and they are really cool characters. And I don't know how you would just focus on them maybe you would do it as a flashback and see them in atlantis and then a flash forward and maybe one of them is an as fishy type and he can talk and be more human-esque i'm not sure exactly and is this a feature or would this be a tv series this would be a feature Okay. I think Juan really wants to curate smaller movies out of the DC universe. So that makes sense. Yeah. Aquaman 2 is also officially being written by David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick. He wrote the first one with Will Beale. He's written The Conjuring 2 and The Upcoming 3 and The Orphan. Fun fact, Aquaman now sits at $1.1 billion worldwide. It's the highest grossing DC Comics film, but it's the second highest grossing Warner Brothers film. What is the highest grossing? What's the highest grossing? Um, for a WB film? Uh, yeah. I'm sure it's super obvious, but I can't think of it. I mean, is it one of the Lord of the Rings movies? Maybe? It's not one of the Lord of the Rings oh. movies, but you're getting Getting closer to like the type of movie it would be. Yeah. Um. What's see. What's another really big franchise that they have the movie rights to? I mean, is it Space Jam? It's not Space Jam. I wonder what Space Jam would be with inflation. Yeah. How close true. it would be? I'm sure it's staring me right in the face, but I don't know. Oh, well, I'll give you the name of the franchise, but there's still ten movies that you can choose from. It's the Harry Potter franchise. Oh God. But yeah, wh- I which, which one? Oh, which one? I mean, I would think it's probably like maybe like the seventh movie, but like part one. Maybe so close. It's the seventh movie, part two. Uh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I was trying to think of something where it's like, okay, people would be hyped about the beginning of the last two parter, but maybe some people wouldn't stick around for the second one. But it makes sense that for the last movie in the franchise, you'd get a big showing. Yeah, and it's crazy to think it seems like such a stupid idea to split the seventh book in the two. But realistically, they should have split every book in the two movies. Yeah, especially, I mean, there are a bunch of them that definitely deserve two parts at least. Yeah, the fifth one. The fifth one needed to be two movies, and maybe yeah. the sixth one. There's just so much, in, and they could have made even more money. But they will make more money when they make the Cursed Child trilogy ten years from now. Yeah, the first four books are pretty solid and can be kept to one movie at least, but the last three definitely deserved two parts. Yeah, a March 4th shows the release of DC's superhero Girls Sweet Justice, a one-hour film which will then kick off an entire series coming to Cartoon Network after brewing as a DC Warner brand on YouTube for the last four years. Since 2015, this global franchise has held five seasons on YouTube, about 112 episodes, and they were styled by Pernil Orum 
who had a very Disney princess style to her work. Although the new TV series will be a new animation style and will be show ran by Lauren Faust, who did My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. And Sam Register will EP the show as well. He's the president of Warner Brothers Animation. He has been there for a while now, and he really knows his stuff. He created the Looney Tunes. Well, you know, he helped curate the Looney Tunes show, which was that more sitcom-esque version where Bugs and Daffy were roommates. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And Yosemite Sam was their neighbor. I really love that idea. And I think he does have a really good idea of what to do with these characters. And I'm sure he's executive producing and overseeing the animation of Space Jam 2. I can't confirm that right now. I'm pretty confident since he's the head of Warner Animation. And that's a Warner Animation movie that's being made. (laughs) Yeah, that would make sense for me. The show DC Superhero Girls is about teenage versions of Wonder Woman, Batgirl, Supergirl, Katana, Bumblebee, and Poison and Ivy and obviously Harley Quinn. They all attend Superhero High in Metropolis that both genders go to. It's not just an all-girls school. And mm. Amanda Waller is the principal. Edrigan the Demon is the poetry teacher. And Gorilla God, voiced by John DiMaggio, is the vice principal. So it seems like a really fun show that they're doing. It's a worldwide brand that they introduced four years ago. It was to compete with kind of the Disney princess brand. And I know since then, Marvel has made their own Marvel superhero girl brand as well. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely like that DC in general, especially with releases like this, they're not as precious with their library as other IP holders. It's fun that they get to experiment with these characters in this way that you wouldn't normally get to see. Yeah, it's a completely different approach. Like, let's have them all go to school. That's not something... When you're thinking of alternate universes for the DC universe, you think, oh, they're just going to do this a little bit instead but this is no take them all and just do something completely different with all of these characters yeah this is a really cool idea and who knows you may discover one of the characters along the way that oh this this would be great for a live action feature or this kind of style or this kind of writing so it's a really great kind of proving ground for those characters yeah i think they warner animation knew to break out of just adapting the comics when they decided to change teen titans and the teen titans go and just have it more fun and make it a little meta it's almost like deadpool meta with how it comments on everything that's happening teen titans go and then that became a huge thing people really hated when they changed it over to more cartoony than serious and less angsty and more meta but that franchise that teen titans go franchise very specifically completely reinvented that brand and made it something completely different and they made a movie and that actually came out in theaters and did pretty well for one animation and to their credit those characters have to evolve and mature over time if you're gonna keep finding new ways to expand those characters and their storylines so I, I don't hate it even if something gets darker it's probably just like you're saying it's prepping for a movie release or it's prepping for trying something different within that universe yeah i think it's a great idea too to build up these brand new brands like i thought it was great when disney changed over i believe it was in like 2008 where they said oh all this disney princess stuff is all separate let's just make it all one brand under the disney princess moniker And then that became a billion dollar global franchise yearly. Then they did the same thing with Disney fairies. They're like, oh, this is an $800 million brand worldwide every year. And I think it's smart that Warner does the same thing where they say, hey, we can, we have all these DC characters that people love. Let's package them separately and differently to different audiences. It's a good idea. Birds of Prey will be rated R. They're making it right now. 
Birds of Prey, and it's going to be rated R. I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how well it does. Was Suicide Squad, was that PG-13? Or, or No, I guess that was R, right? I think it was R. Are that I mean, I mean just da- the fact that it was yeah. called Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, and with David Ayer directing, and it just seems like it would. But anyway, I th- I think that's a a good move. It makes sense. Suicide Squad was PG thirteen. Oh wow! So this will be their first hard R for the DC Comics universe or for DC Comics. I'm sure after the success of Deadpool, they just thought, well, if if any time is a time to try an R rated comic movie, it's now. It really is, especially yeah. with with Cat. Theon directing with the with the cast that they currently have, I think it's a really good direction to move in and away from Zack Snyder. Yeah. Dugray Scott will be in Batwoman as Kate Kane's dad or Batwoman's dad. He was almost Wolverine in 2000, but I believe reshoots of Mission Impossible 2 got in the way, so they went with Hugh Jackman instead. Wow. Good to see Dugray Scott doing some comic book work. Yeah, it is. Let's move on to Warner Pictures and Warner Brothers Television. Yay! (laughs) Warner has two Mattel movies in the works. The first is Barbie, which originally had Amy Schumer and Anne Hathaway attached back when it was at Sony. Right now, the plan is to have Warner darling Margot Robbie, who, you know, plays Harley Quinn for them, which is the biggest DC character to them right now, to fill Barbie's shoes. Now, Disney Pixar is also making Toy Story 4, which takes place at a carnival. And with the rights for Barbie over at Warner Brothers, I highly doubt you'll see Ken and Barbie at that carnival. But you remember, Barbie and Ken were in Toy Story 3. Originally, Barbie was actually supposed to be in the original Toy Story. Originally, Buzz and Woody were going to be rescued by Barbie from Sid's house as she pulled up in her Corvette and said, Come with me if you want to live. Supposedly, this was Joss Whedon's idea, as he was the writer on the script at the time. And WB has two Mattel films in development, this being a Mattel film. The other is a Hot Wheels movie. Nice. Yeah, the Hot Wheels movie definitely makes sense. Uh, There's a Hot Wheels TV show in development at some point a few years ago, but that's definitely an untapped franchise that they could do something with. I'm sure they think of Hot Wheels as a Fast and the Furious potential brand for them. Uh Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Moving on. Ted Melfi is in talk to direct an adaptation of the 1987 story, Why I Left Harry's All-Night Hamburgers, which is about a guy who works at a hamburger joint that is actually a secret hangout spot for time travelers. So he decides to leave one day and explore the multiverse. Lawrence Watt Evans wrote the short story, and Steve Desmond and Michael Sherman are adapting it to a screenplay. Sounds like a really great idea for a story and sounds like a great idea to combine multiverses, to combine universes with this one story. Yeah, it does. It's definitely an ambitious idea and it's exciting that it doesn't feel like kind of your run-of-the-mill safe movie to develop so it'll be interesting to see how this turns out i'm hoping it has some of that levity of back to the future and they play around with a little bit of comedy and drama yeah we'll see yeah let's see if it actually goes into production this thing could never happen easily yeah the title yeah the title sounds super ambitious by itself so it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah it it fascinates me i want to read the short story now for sure J.J. Yeah. Abrams has an overall TV deal with Warner Brothers and has just sold another show to HBO entitled They Both Die at the End, and it will be written by Chris Kelly, who's an SNL writer and creator of the other two on Comedy Central, which I must say I saw the billboard for and I was like, I'll never know what this show is about. 
like this billboard makes no sense. <laughs> and then the second time I drove by it, I was like, oh, it's about a Justin Bieber type kid who gets famous on YouTube and then has two older siblings who then have to live with his fame. Like I said, like the first I was like, I'll never figure this out. And the second time I like figured out the entire journey of the show just by looking at it. So ridiculous. Yeah. And it's actually, I've seen, I think the first two episodes and it's actually really well done. And the actors that they picked are perfect for those parts, but we'll see how long it can go because it's definitely one of those premises where it could get really repetitive if you don't figure out new ways to keep it fresh yeah well netflix's russian doll i thought was really interesting because i believe it's only eight episodes i just finished it and it seems like a mini series and it's done now there's nothing else you could possibly do for that series and has all these really beautiful ideas in it has really beautiful storytelling techniques it utilizes and does it really well and (laughs) i hope they don't do more of it because it would ruin it. I like that it's just this little slice of television that you can watch. Uh, but is that what is that what the other two is about? Is what I described it? Oh yeah, your your guess is pretty spot on, and it it's got Molly Shannon as the mother of all three of them, and she's spot on and That's perfect. That's great. But yeah, it's I mean it's basically these two less famous older siblings and they're kind of revolving around their younger brother who becomes ultra famous from a viral YouTube video and one of them wants to be an actor and then the, sis- the sister doesn't know what she wants to be and they're all kind of going to red carpet events and trying to capitalize off his newfound fame and Ken Marino plays the kids like new manager and he's awesome so it's, nice. it's actually got a really good cast but it, it definitely unless they figure out new ways to take the the younger brother throughout his career it could get stale really fast yeah and ken marino's also a warner brothers network legacy actor he was on the fourth season of dawson's creek or fifth season yeah he plays a teacher who is absolutely in love with joey potter (laughs) and she is like a little infatuated with him and they do this little dance throughout the entire season of like will they hook up will they have sex and uh spoilers they don't but he has this like beautiful speech at the end of like sometimes that feeling of waiting for something is greater than ever getting it something like that and it's so gross because it's like he's he's talking about his student so it is really gross but it is a really beautiful thing they're trying to tell (laughs) yeah the idea of it the idea of it's good but sometimes the waiting for something is much more legal than the actual getting it exactly (laughs) and he was also on veronica mars i believe for the entire series i didn't know this yeah i'm trying to remember what he plays i don't remember now that show is so wishy-washy there's some really great episodes there's some really mm. trashy episodes and paul rudd's in one which is really great he's in the third season which is awful but his episode is really great Mm-mm. oh back to jj abrams and his overall deal with warner brothers he so he sold this show they both die at the end of hbo and warner tv and bad robot have an overall deal dating back to 2006 which is when his touchstone deal ended touchstone aka disney and he moved Moved his films to Paramount and his TV wing to Warner. At HBO, Bad Robot has Westworld, Lovecraft Country, and Demimond? Demimonde? Demimonde? I don't know how to pronounce it. 
obviously, which Abrams is said to actually be writing. So this is going to be his first TV project where that he writes in a very long time. Interesting. Elsewhere, Bad Robot has Castle Rock on Hulu and sold Little Voice. And my glory was I had such friends. Is that what it is? Is that right? With Demimond, I wouldn't be surprised with any kind of title. Yeah, and They Both Die at the End, which is a title we're currently Mm -hmm. talking about for HBO. But My Glory Was I Had Such Friends is a Jennifer Garner vehicle, which will reunite JJ with his alias Star. I'm pretty sure he and Jennifer Garner went to pitch the idea and said, so we have this show that we wrote on a napkin before the meeting started, but it's going to have Jennifer Garner and I'm going to produce it. And they said... When can we have it? Is it called Napkin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's called My Glory Was I Had Such Friends. But Oh, okay. You'll, you'll see when you read the napkin. <laughs> How did you fit that all on a napkin? <laughs> That's the longest title ever. <laughs> And Warner Brothers Pictures has acquired the Sundance breakout hit Blinded by the Light for $15 million. And this is really cool. The film is about a Muslim teen in Britain in the year 1987 who learns to understand life, family, and his own voice through Bruce Springsteen songs. So again, this Jersey boy loves that. I think that's a, a beautiful idea. That's like a huge, I mean, it sounds like such a great idea, but that's a huge gamble for $15 million, but that must mean it's a great movie. So yeah, excited to see it. Yeah. And we have the, I can tell you the date, I believe it's coming out August this year. Uh, I'll tell you that later on when we go over the updated release dates they have for all the Warner Brothers films. Michael B. Jordan and his company Outlier Society have a first look deal with Warner, and they have acquired the rights to Black Leopard Red Wolf. This is the first of author Marlon James's Dark Star trilogy, which combines African history with African mythology and fantasy. It's about a person named Tracker who is sent on a mission to find a missing child during a time of competing kingdoms and political strife. A shape-shifting leopard is a character, which means I'm 100 percent down you yeah. know if there's a person who turns into a giant cat i'll be there for it with the exception of season four or whatever of true blood <laughs> yeah i definitely hope it's somebody who is naturally a leopard who like shapeshifts into a person to like blend in i mean that would make it even better that'd be really cool yeah you know, I was 100% there for the ABC family show, The Nine Lives of Chloe King. I've seen all 11 aired episodes. <laughs> no, I never watched them. I never watched it either. And <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm sure they aired the whole first season. Yeah. <laughs> all 13, not just 11. I don't know. This project sounds really cool. But yeah. the fact that Michael B. Jordan has a first look deal with Warner makes me think, will Michael B. Jordan be in Space Jam 2? For some reason, I doubt it, but I, I hope he is. It, even if it's just a cameo, it'd I, be pretty great. I really hope he is. Even if it's just, if he's one of like the golfing buddies or something in the first sequence. That'd be great. If it was just him, like there was no LeBron James, if <laughs> they went from Michael Jordan to Michael B. Jordan, I don't think they should call it Space Jam 2. They should just call it Space B. Jam. Space B. Jam. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's Michael B. Jordan playing LeBron James in Space 
be jammed too. You know, he could pull it off. He is a <laughs> yeah. great actor. The other project that Outlier Society has invested in is the HBO project Fahrenheit 451, which is him and George Clooney, I believe, right? Yeah, uh, I think that's right. Yeah, I think so. So stage 25 on the WB lot is where they filmed the Big Bang Theory for the past 12 years. So for episode 1271 they let press in to see how the sausage is made followed by stage 25 being dedicated to the show this is the fifth show to receive this treatment in the 95 years the warner lot has existed the other shows are do you want to guess them uh matlock uh friends yeah friends is one of them er yeah ER. Um, Looney Tunes, the live action sitcom adventure. No. Uh, <laughs> it's written on a napkin. Uh, two and a half men. That's it. And one and, more. And DeGeneres, the talk show hosted by Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, it's Ellen. I think that's what it's uh, called, I believe. Oh, I haven't seen that one. I've only seen DeGeneres. Oh, yeah. The DeGeneres Degenerates. Yeah. Uh, yeah, also Friends, ER, Two and a Half Men, and Ellen, which seems weird. It seems like they've been only dedicating things over the last 15 years. <laughs> yeah, definitely seems like a recent tradition. Yes. The Big Bang Theory is now the longest-running sitcom at 12 years. I know personally that Cheers and Frasier both lasted 11. The 1950s series Maverick with James Garner was also filmed on this stage, as was the 80s version of V. The WB Network show What I Like About You, starring Jenny Garth and Amanda Bynes, Casablanca, Bonnie and Clyde, Blade Runner, Falling Down, Dave, and Batman Returns. Wow, that's quite the soundstage. Definitely. Honestly, Stage 25 should be dedicated to, if it was any of these, should be dedicated to What I Like About You, since it was a WB Network show. It should be the Jenny Garth soundstage. (laughs) Yeah. The Shaft reboot is opening the American Black Film Festival this year, and the trailer has dropped. Regina Hall is playing the mother of Shaft Jr., a.k.a. Samuel L. Jackson's baby mama. Just to put it in perspective, Regina Hall was born in 1970, while Samuel L. Jackson was born in 1948. Uh, that's. I mean, I love Regina Hall, but that's yeah, that's a terrible idea. Yeah, I think that's the only negative thing about this movie I've seen so far. But again, Samuel Jackson's probably playing 15 years younger than he actually is. Uh, that's true. You know, because I guess he's 71 now, so... Wow, I can't believe he's 71. He looks great for his age. Yeah, 50, 60, 70, yeah. Especially in that trailer. Yeah, yeah, he looks great. He looks great in a turtleneck. On a side note, Grey's Anatomy is not a Warner property, but one thing I have to give them props for is Meredith Grey, played by Ellen Pompeo, is in a love triangle right now, and the two guys who are her love interests are both like 15 years younger than her in real oh, life. Wow. And I think that's an awesome move. I mean, that's a that's kind of a great way to, to combat a lot of the misogyny that happens in casting with some of these older male actors who usually get paired with female actresses 20 years there younger yeah she's an executive producer on that show now and she directs episodes so she has a lot of creative control and she's a big promoter of you know the me too movement and time's up which is really great yeah she's she's a really powerful awesome producer director actor yeah and isn't one of the this might have been last season or earlier in this season but wasn't ted mosby on Grey's anatomy this season ted mosby from how 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 i met your mother i think he is 
Yeah. I think he's on it. I don't watch it religiously, but I, I cut the last couple episodes and noticed that love triangle. And I thought, you know, that's great. They should. It's one way to kind of combat those issues is to do a gender flip on the traditional ideas of who plays who. Yeah. And I know Derek Shepard on that show has four sisters. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a ton of sisters. And he's gone now on the show. Yeah. But they're finally revealing the fourth sister. So there's one sister who's been on the show forever as one of the main cast. That's boring. And Nev Campbell played one of the sisters back in the day. And someone else played another one of the sisters. So there's still one more to reveal. And they finally have cast her. And it's Amy Acker from Angel. So that brings us back to the WB and the WB network. Even though Angel and Buffy are owned by Fox, we won't get into that. But yeah, so they finally have cast that fourth sister. We'll, we'll cool. just integrate Grey's Anatomy mythology throughout this podcast, <laughs> even though it's yeah. owned by Disney and ABC, completely owned by Disney <laughs> yeah. and Shondaland, but we'll sprinkle it in here and there. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that McDreamy? No, we'll, we'll move on. That's just... <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be in Space Jam, too. <laughs> yeah. And finally, the release dates have been updated for all of the Warner Brothers films. So we'll go over them real quick. June 28th sees the release of an Annabelle sequel. August 14th shows the release of Blinded by the Light, which we were just talking about, the Bruce Springsteen film. Dr. Sleep, the Shining sequel starring Ewan McGregor, is moving from January 24th, 2020 to November 8th of this year, 2019, and will now be pitted against Paramount's Sonic the Hedgehog film, which will most likely be a disaster. And the reason why I know this is because in a teaser poster, not because they're not showing Sonic in the teaser posters, but because they have Sonic on top of a bridge, and the poster's from Sonic's perspective, and on the bridge he carved, Sonic was here. And this is just so weird and silly and boring and a dull idea. Like, why does he carve in Sonic was here? It's just so dopey to me and nonsensical and... And add a character. Yeah, yeah, it just is like dull. It's just a dull idea. Just don't do that. Just have him up there. And for better or for worse, I see Sonic as such a a serious character i mean at least just from his facial expressions in the game he doesn't seem like the kind of person that would do that but i guess there were you know sonic cartoons where he kind of got to expand on his personality a bit but it, it definitely just seems not like the sonic that i know yeah in the sonic franchise is all over the place there were sonic generations which had like the neo new cool sonic with the oh, yeah. older more classic shorter sonic so they, they they separated them as different characters at one point march 13th 2020 is when we'll see godzilla fight king kong in godzilla versus king kong this is something that legendary entertainment legendary pictures has been trying to make or has been building up to make for the last 10 years they started with godzilla the gareth edwards film then they had legendary get bought by universal and then they started making kong skull island and then they went back to warner brothers and pulled king kong with them from the grip of universal universal was always known as the house of king kong and legendary just took it away from them somehow which i think is crazy to make this godzilla versus king kong movie yeah i didn't even think about that but do you think they bought the rights or they're licensing him or or maybe universal's getting a small cut uh maybe i, I don't know 
Yeah, it seems very strange. Like they Universal was originally going to distribute the film, but then Legendary went back to Warner somehow. I don't even know how that's like legal. But they took yeah. all of the movies they're making with Universal, and now they're making them at Warner. So Detective Pikachu is another film that was at Universal, which made sense because Illumination is making the Mario movie at Universal. But now Mario is going to be animated at Universal, while Pikachu and Charmander and Bulbasaur are going to be over at Warner Brothers and are going to be CG animated in a realistic-looking world. So interesting how those franchises are separate in the movie world currently. Well, and one explanation is, it wasn't Legendary bought by a Chinese company, so maybe they, they went from Warner Brothers to working with Universal, and a Chinese company buys Legendary, and now they're free to work with who they want, but maybe now they're like, first look deal is with Warner Brothers. So. That's probably what it is. Yeah. yeah. Something to that effect. There's only a few Roald Dahl books that haven't been adapted into films yet, and The Witches is one of them. It will be adapted by Robert Zemeckis and B released on October 16th, 2020, and will star Anne Hathaway. And it's also being produced by Guillermo del Toro and Alfonso Cuaron. Was that not, uh, did not did they not make a version of this with Angelica Houston, or is that a different one? You remember I, that one back in the day? It's like a really dark movie from the 90s starring Angelica Houston, and, and this kid gets in her way, and she turns him into a mouse. And then like the rest of the movie, he has to survive and figure out a way to become a kid again. And it's I way do. too... It's I way Totally forgot about this movie until you just started talking about it now. I think I've seen this before. It's one of the last movies that, I mean, they marketed it for kids, but it's one of those where it's like, that is way too dark for children. But at that time, it was the early 90s and nobody cared. And they're just like, let's just make it. I vaguely have vague. Yeah. Rowan Atkinson is in it. Based on the 1983 children's novel of the same title by Rodol. So this, yeah. So The Witches has been made into a movie before. I had no idea. Oh, it was produced by Jim Henson as well. Yeah, maybe that's why it's just so dark, because it, it feels like the labyrinth, where it just feels way too dark for kids. But I'll give you a better example. It, feel, it, it feels like Return to Oz, the 1985 yeah. Disney Oz picture. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll give you yeah. one guess who distributed the 1990 film the witches uh was it was it warner brothers it was warner brothers wow yeah that's really cool i vaguely remember that movie i think i've seen it or maybe i just remember the commercials for it it's super frightening i mean even now i think if i watched it it would be because because like angelica houston morphs at some point in the movie into this monster like creature and it is i mean it's like some of those jim henson movies from the 80s and 90s where it kind of blurs the line between adult content and kids movies yeah and creepy and wholesome yeah like that original tim burton style of stuff yeah motherless brooklyn written directed and starring edward norton will bow november 1st 2020 it's about a private investigator who has tourette's looking for his mentor played by bruce willis with a 1950s backdrop and a firefighter died putting out a fire on one of the sets so I'm sure the movie will be dedicated to this firefighter as well. I hope so, yeah. Nah. But I can completely see Edward Norton with Tourette's. I'm pretty sure he played a person who pretended to be mentally challenged in the score. I don't know if you've ever mm. seen that movie. I haven't. 
It's Edward Norton, Robert De Niro, and Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando when he's at his biggest, too. He's, wow. I mean, biggest meaning his fattest. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was like 1998, 97, spitballing. Uh, the, check, yeah, it's good. It's a really good movie, but he plays like a museum employee and he pretends he's mentally challenged or he's part of the facilities at a museum pretends to be mentally challenged but he's actually putting on the score to get whatever they're trying to get in the museum uh, is brando good in it or is it kind of like orson welles's last gasps doing commercials and being drunk and it's kind of like orson welles last gasp but he's not terrible in it. <laughs> oh, okay from what i can remember yeah i'll have to check that out yeah. and the next movie that i'm gonna say is gonna be the craziest event pick of next year i believe and it's dune and that will premiere november 20th 2020 nice now i've never seen the original dune i haven't read the book i've seen jodorowsky's dune which is a documentary about the making of his dune movie that he never ended up making so a lot of it is just pictures and all the stuff that they made for the film but never it's a bunch of artwork for the film yeah jodorowsky's dune is one of my favorite documentaries ever and a fun fact adrian grenier of entourage fame bought me a ticket to that documentary wow um, wildly enough it was when it was playing at the old uh uh, not the new beverly but that old silent theater and i can't even remember the name of the movie club now but anyway they're showing you don't need to remember the name of the movie club i remember it but that movie club got in trouble for exactly a lot of stuff so it's closed now it just doesn't exist anymore yeah, I did hear about that, but I was in line and he was in front of me with like two women and he bought four tickets and turned around and said, would you like this fourth ticket? And I said, you bet. And then we became best friends. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. <laughs> uh, Lady Dynamite season one's premiere was at that theater as well. So I went to that premiere party, which was really cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And that was probably six months before it closed down permanently. Uh, they had a surprising amount of cool feminist events there. And Brie Larson was involved in some things there. But yeah, then when all that stuff went down, it was just kind of shocking and sad. Yeah, yeah. It's, it seems like, yeah, you lean into this because you're doing this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely did in hindsight. Yeah, but Dune, this movie is going to be huge. Timothy Chalamet is playing the lead, and he's incredible. He is going to be the biggest actor in the world within the next couple of years. I truly believe it. Yeah, and they just cast Jason Momoa, and so many people are cast in this film now. We talked about it a little bit last week, but Fantastic Beasts three was pushed back, and Dune is actually in the slot that Fantastic Beasts three used to be in. Mm. Oh yeah, because they're still kind of working out how to make that two movies now as opposed to three how to, how to end it with the third one as opposed to making it five movies that's right that's right yeah the cast of dune so far includes jason momoa rebecca ferguson timothy chalamet josh brolin zendaya oscar isaac dave batista javier bardem Stellan Skarsgård and Charlotte Rampling. Wow. Yeah, and of course it is being directed by Denis Villeneuve, and the screenplay <laughs> is by John Spathe, Eric Roth, and Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve directed Arrival, Sicario, and Blade Runner 2049, and Prisoners. So Dune is shaping up to be quite an event film for Warner Brothers. Should be a pretty excellent film. Yeah. DC Super Pets, which will be released on May 21st. 2021 jared stern and sam levine are directing jared stern helped write the ninjago movie and the lego batman movie 
but both of those films had a lot of writers credited and uncredited, to be fair. I don't really know much about the DC Super Pets project, but it, again, it seems more like they're taking, they're trying to build a new franchise out of the DC Super Pets. Hopefully they just killed two birds with one stone and everybody that signed on for the play role in Dune is also voicing a part in DC Super Pets. Uh, I hope so. so. Yeah. Timothy Chalamet as Superman's dog. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Batista as Superman's cat. <laughs> the Batman is now dated for June 25th, 2021, and Matt Reeves is still directing, and Ben Affleck is officially out of the role. So we'll have a new The Batman and a new The Bruce Wayne. Should be interesting. Yeah, I, I still hope they go young with it, but we'll see. I mean, I, I wonder if they would have to completely rewrite what they have to cast a younger actor. Yeah, I've heard a lot of rumors of different people. Uh, Army Hammer for the role. Uh, I've heard um, he was wonderful in Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, I mean, I, he's a great actor. I wonder if he can have that same energy, though, going into this film specifically. I he just would... want, like, I want a more androgynous Batman now. I mean, we just, we keep having these, I don't know, maybe that makes it too out of character, but I guess I keep hoping for something more like Batman Beyond, but I okay. know they have to make it their own thing. Timothy Chalamet as Batman. Oh, that'd be perfect. Yeah. Actually, he should play Terry McGinnis, the Batman Beyond. That would yeah. be perfect casting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Why aren't they doing that? Okay. If Dune hits, he will be Terry McGinnis in Batman Beyond. I guarantee it. I hope so. An untitled WB event pick is slated for July 16th, 2021. And it was actually just revealed what the title of that untitled WB event pick is. And it's Space Jam 2. Yay! Yay! Woohoo! God, do you think that Bill Murray will be in Space Jam 2? I mean, even if he, even if it's just him walking into a stadium in a uniform ready to play and then deciding no and turning around and leaving, even something that small, I can see that happening. I really hope but they do something with him. Although, they've got to. <laughs> he could have a deal with Sony right now since they're making the new Ghostbusters with him. But he, surely, it, surely it's not like an exclusive, you can't do anything else, it's just you can't do this if, it, if you if we're shooting this Ghostbusters movie and they need you, then you can't do it. But I just don't know when the new Ghostbusters is coming out. I'm afraid they're going to be out around the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't know when Ghostbusters 3 or whatever they're going to call it has, has no release date right now. So tentatively... Let's say William Murray will be in Space Jam 2. <laughs> I hope so. The Suicide Squad will come out August 6, 2021 with James Gunn writing and directing. Then we'll have another untitled WB event film, which will come out October 1st, 2021. Space Jam 3. Woohoo! Yeah. Comes out three months later. <laughs> yeah. We filmed them back to back. It's part two of the five part. Space Jam 2. <laughs> yeah. So it looks like Warner has all their Daffy Ducks in a row now. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty exciting time. It really, really is. So there are, I guess there a lot of those are WB tentpole super event films. I'm going to take this list that I just had and pull out all of the DC films and pull out all the event films and kind of have them separated for next time so we can go over them real quick again. That makes sense because I'm sure that's how even they're keeping track of it because if they only have a master list, they it would just get too confusing even for the people whose job it is to keep track of all those. And yeah, uh, and I think it's very interesting that Ewan McGregor is 
doing both Doctor Sleep and Birds of Prey for Warner Brothers. It seems like he's in the Warner bag now, as opposed to being over at Disney, making his Obi-Wan movie, which he should be making. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously there aren't talent contracts anymore, but it is kind of interesting to see these actors, you know, do two or three or four or five films you know, yeah, from there, different properties at the same studios. There aren't talent contracts like there were in the 1950s, but there's still three movie contracts that a lot like there's still multi movie contracts that some people sign on to. It seems that's true, especially with Disney. Like you could tell that Emily Blunt signed like a three movie deal with them or two movie deal because yeah. she did. Mary Poppins, and then she's doing the Jungle Cruise. I just think now they, they, they just can't make them be exclusive. Like, they can say, okay, if we need if we need you to shoot Mary Poppins now, you can't be shooting anything else. But I think that, that obviously can't stop her from doing another Quiet Place movie or something on the side. It's very true. Although, there was an actor who was going to be on The Crown for Netflix, and then he was pulled because, supposedly, it's because Disney didn't want him to do a Netflix thing. Interesting. And I think it was, who plays the vision? Paul Bettany. I think it was Paul Bettany. Oh, yeah. Yeah, at least in television, generally, if you're like a series regular on a show, you're allowed to do other shows sometimes, but it is up to the discretion of wherever your contract is. Generally, they're pretty lenient as long as you don't say okay i'm gonna not show up for shooting and do this other film but it's gotten more complicated now yeah yeah and i'm sure it's with when you're shooting oh you can't shoot another movie because we're shooting our movie at this time yeah and there was that whole fiasco too with superman and his mustache. mustache yeah and that was when he was off filming mission impossible 6 and he had to come back and do reshoots for, and this is what I, I heard this, I heard it called this on Kevin Smith's podcast on Fat Man Beyond. When they were making Justice League with Zack Snyder, it was just called Justice League. But when they were doing the reshoots for Joss Whedon, they were calling it Justice League. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so when they were making Justice League, Henry Cavill had the mustache from Mission Impossible 6. Yeah, that was definitely a situation where, of course, they let him do the other movie, but as soon as we need you for the movie or you have in first position, you have to drop what you're doing. Yeah, and so you're not allowed to shave the mustache. It's so funny. Yeah. (laughs) So that's it for Warner Brothers news for this week. Do you have any final thoughts about any of any of this that we went over? I'm just pretty excited for Space Jam 2. It's great that it's coming together. It has big Air Jordans to fill. Yeah, it's it'll be very interesting because LeBron James definitively said they're shooting it this summer. So like like I've been saying these last months, it's 100% happening, and I couldn't be more excited to see the Looney Tunes again. I think it's going to be really great. Oh, yeah. They're going to be thrown into a whole new generation, and it's been interesting doing the research for the Space Jam episode that's upcoming for this podcast because I actually learned a lot about Tiny Toons, surprisingly enough. Mm-hmm. Tiny Toons in the late 80s, early 90s was Warner's attempt to resuscitate the Looney Tunes brand, and it worked. It 100% worked better than they yeah. expected, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I grew up with Tiny Toons, and it, it definitely feels like kind of a perfect extension of that universe. It doesn't feel like a money grab, and I think they handled that really well. Yeah, which is really fascinating because it was originally going to be a film, Tiny Toons, and then they gave it over to Steven Spielberg around 1987. And they're like, what can you do with this? And then 
they changed the name of it from T-U-N-E-S, like Looney Tunes, because that, that's how Looney Tunes is spelled. And they changed it to T-O-O-N-S. And then Warner was changed their minds and they said, we don't want to make it a movie. We want to make it a TV series. And they changed it to T-O-O-N-S to pay respect to Toontown from Steven ah. Spielberg's Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is a Disney oh. movie. Touchstone, which is Disney. It all connects. Yeah. Perhaps next week or on a later episode, we'll have a Space Jam retrospective and we'll find out how Space Jam was made and then all of the failed sequel projects that were Space Jam 2, Race Jam, Spy Jam, Skate Jam. There's a lot of jams. A lot of jamming almost happened. I'm excited for an education on that because I'm not familiar with any of those proposed spinoffs. It's going to be really, really wonderful. That's it for this week of the AT and WB podcast, the all talk and witty banter podcast. I have been your host, Chris Taylor. I am no longer Chris Taylor. And and I am Alex Wilson. And you can find me not tweeting on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Television. And I am on Twitter at Zeitkreist. Please rate this podcast with one star. Please get, only give it, no, give it all of the stars. I don't care. I really don't care that much. But I should. So rate it highly, please. If you do one thing this week, give this podcast five stars. Do you do one thing this week, eat. <laughs> That's all, folks. Roar! This has been a full dinosaur production.